Hi guys, welcome to the 30th episode of the Untitled Gadget podcast and yeah, like we guys never thought we'd get here but here we are. So, once again, uh this is a big week because of some pretty pretty big news in the gaming world and uh, like last week we've got Rishi from the Mercury Reactor back with us to talk about everything, but before we get started with that, let's have a quick chat on how was the week for everyone. Akshay, why don't you start? uh my week was quite uh, uneventful apart from the fact that i became an uncle and oh, i nice. yeah and 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 uh, i got the uh, zotac 3080 in the house so i reinstalled uh, tomb raider shadow of the tomb raider last night and started playing it again without the 3080 because i haven't installed it yet so <laughs> i know i'm going to put i'm going to install it tonight uh, right after this podcast actually not tonight But yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Actually, thirty eighty and uh, and uh, and all the trolling that's happening online. Whether you're a Microsoft fan or a Sony fan, it doesn't matter. I'm just enjoying all of it. Harish, what about you? Yeah, I'm still waiting for my thirty eighty. It was meant to get here ten days ago, but it still hasn't showed shown up yet. So yeah, just mad about that. and got a lot of stuff written up for amazon amazon just vomited a lot of products and we'll talk about that some of it is coming to india so looking forward to that and now i'm playing assassin's creed odyssey i like that game it's been fun okay. what about you rishi what have you been up to this week so it's been crazy in a lot of ways simply because we finally had uh, i mean we we saw bethesda being bought out by microsoft and that that was insane and we'll talk about our length on the podcast but aside from that yeah uh, the xbox one uh, the xbox series x and series s pre-orders went live this week and uh, i tried getting myself one and you know trying to figure out what went down in terms of the ratios in terms of how many units came in so that was a roller coaster in itself then we had some a uh, somewhat interesting news on the on the PS5 side of things where you know a couple of sites had reported that Sony's going to announce it soon and and uh, those sites are usually legit Indian video gamer doesn't put out information unless it's 100% accurate so we managed mm-hmm. to dig around and get more info around that and put something out so uh it's been busy uh it's been busy and then yeah i, I mean pouring literally pouring one out for the 3080 guys here because i actually heard the quantities that came in i mean you're talking single digits from some oems and you know best case 10 1015 i think the highest number i saw i heard from an oem was maybe 2025 20, and that's like you know most of it's already sold out already so i kind of feel yeah. sorry for harish akshay and everyone else who wants to get their hands on one outside of reviews it's quite a mess I I, okay. I I gave myself a wedding present two years ago. That was a 2080 Ti, and early enough, that's when the first time uh, Dhruv and I also hung out. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to be upgrading upgrading to the any of the 3000 series uh, GPUs because I think I can last for another few at least two years, minimum. So I'm not too looking for. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it, but I'm not going to spend money on it because. as you said this ps5 and series x and all of that uh, to, to take care of uh, and i only have that limited funds you know <laughs> that much so, i'm mean, yeah, going to get so, most of uh, your money back for the 2080 like i mean towards the 3080 no uh no i doubt it man it's not worth it to just push uh, you know just sell it off right now 
and then buy a 3080 after that it's it's just no point because i know for a fact in 2 years time when the 4000 series come out i will be jealous again and i will want to sell the 3000 series and upgrade again so i don't want to get into that cycle because you know how that works right Fair so enough. it's just easy it's just easier to just ignore one one generation and just think about the other one stay in the long I- run for that you know Long Actually, course. Nvidia doesn't do two-year massive upgrades. You're still looking at a four-year cycle. So in that context, even I then, it, even then, I, I, I mean, I, I know people who are still running 1060 and are not <laughs> complaining, right? So yeah. I think even then, I'm sorted with the 2080 Ti. I mean, I invested a lot of money in this shit, and <laughs> I haven't even used it at full potential. You know, it's not like I game on it 24 hours. Actually, I spend the spend the least amount of time on my PC because. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. But I then, just don't... wait. Do you have a 4K monitor? No. That. Oh, then it doesn't don't... matter, right? This exactly. Is, yeah. I don't want to get a 4K monitor right now because it's too damn expensive, man. It's. Yeah. 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 So. Cool. So. Oh. I'm gonna. Rishi. Uh, you, one you... one thing. Sorry, before we start, Rishi, I like how you confused. You were about to say Xbox One and then corrected yourself to series. Yeah, I know. I had to because of all we my tweets this week. We should just point that, that out once. Having fun about that, yeah. We, I had to. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because a lot of people have been making that mistake. Uh, not in <laughs> India, but you know. <laughs> Although, uh, Rishi, did you manage to get one for yourself? Yeah, I got one. Uh, I, so, oh, congratulations! It's, it's hilarious. So, Amazon went live at nine o five, and uh, a friend of mine, Mohit Bhatia, who who's also a resident of Delhi, actually messaged me at nine o six the link because he managed to get one before me, and I was like, okay, done, pre ordered. Fifteen minutes later, everything sold out. So, got lucky. Nice. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that. What sold out and how? Because you came out with a story yesterday that talks about all the stuff that's been happening behind the scenes. How many units were? available why one particular console is still available to buy we got all the low down to that but i think before that we should talk about the biggest news right the roof i think does it matter to you that xbox bought bethesda or oh, well zenimax oh Maybe yeah that. we're just getting into that now so uh before we get started just a quick rundown on what we're going to be talking about uh there's the big amazon event which in harish's words where they just vomit out a whole bunch of announcements I mean, last year they had like seventy or eighty different products that they announced, and uh, this year again, like there was like a whole boatload of stuff. I, I guess like at least fifteen to twenty, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe we missed something. Yeah, they just go like bang, bang, bang. Here's a here's a new product. So there's Amazon, and uh, then we've got the Samsung Galaxy Fan Edition. We'll touch upon that a little bit. But also the big news of the week is Microsoft buying Bethesda. uh which is the maker of some of your favorite IPs i'm guessing um or at least some of the biggest IPs around uh so that's the rundown for this week and let's get started what do you guys want to start with first let's let's get the small stuff out of the way maybe let's talk about the samsung stuff nah man let's do microsoft even yeah, i let's get to the big stuff <laughs> let's get to the big stuff who gives a damn about fan edition <laughs> right, right now sweet so Actually, why don't you why don't you take us through this? So, uh, out of nowhere, uh, Microsoft uh, announced that they have uh, they are in the process of acquiring Zenimax Media, which has a which is a, which has a a bunch of studios uh, under them. Uh, the one one being ID Software that makes the Doom franchise, uh, Wolfenstein. and then bethesda that um, studio which has been responsible for some spectacular games in the past not so recent past like fallout 
4, New Vegas, Sky, Elder Scrolls Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Online, even though I don't know if that's good or not, I haven't played it. And um, <laughs> Fallout 76, because why the hell not? That's the most recent game they came out with. And um, regardless of how their recent games have been, uh, they are quite beloved by uh, fans uh, of these franchises. Like, I love Fallout. I love Skyrim. Um, but... Uh, yeah, the most, the biggest concern that came about was that the $7.5 billion deal, what does it mean for these games? Are they going to be exclusive on Microsoft or not? And I think we have, everyone has an opinion on that. I am on the fence, to be honest. I really don't know. So Rishi, why don't you get started first? What this deal means for gamers in general, uh, for Xbox and uh, for Bethesda specifically, because I think that's the... Uh, studio that has most trouble in the past few years. Mm. I mean, so there are a lot of ways to look at it. Uh, before I get to what it means for gamers, let me break it down for what it means for the others involved. So, I mean, as we all know, it was a running joke for most of the generation that the Xbox has no games, which I find really funny because, I mean, we got we got <laughs> Sunset Overdrive, Rise of the Tomb Raider and Gears 4 in quick succession. So, I, and Halo 5 also in between in quick succession. But anyway, uh, so Microsoft from Microsoft standpoint, they need the content but then uh, the other argument is they already had what like uh, they already had a boatload of studios before this so this is just like adding to it uh so for microsoft they get more content which helps them with game pass that makes game pass a better deal uh and that seems to be their play as well now for them that's great it's basically them being galactus and you know getting who they can putting who they can on their side and doing what they need to do Actually, more Unicron than Galactus. If any Galactus, if any of you watched the 1986 Transformers movie, which is one of the best pieces of film ever. Yes, I called it film, even if it's a cartoon. So, point is that they, for them, that's the approach, right? Acquire as much as you can, and you know, regurgitate it and do what you can with it. Um, but to me, what's interesting is the impact on Bethesda, because uh, if you look at it, uh, outside of Fallout and Skyrim, nothing's really clicked. And I'm saying not. I'm not saying Elder Scrolls. I'm saying Skyrim in particular because what uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim released in 2011 or 2012, and then it's still been making money for them even right now. And that's been their uh, biggest push. That's been their biggest uh, seller, right? They and with Fallout, what we had Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, both re did really well. We had Fallout 4, which also did well. In fact, the most recent successful game that we know of is Fallout 4, and that came out in 2015. If I'm not mistaken, that I that I think did like five million uh, day one in terms of sales, unit sales. Yeah, it beat. Uh, it was on the same uh, weekend uh, opening day as Man of Steel. It beat the shit out of Man of Steel. I remember that very specifically. Yeah. So you know, with them, uh, that's the thing. If it, 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 now that was 2015, right? You're in 2020. Between 2015 and 2020, what have you released? You've released Skyrim in VR. You've released Doom in VR. Uh, Doom has done okay. Doom Eternal has done okay. Uh, Prey, Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Dishonored Death of the Outsider. Sorry, not Dishonored. Dishonored was a PS3 360 era. I mean, Prey, Dishonored 2, Dishonored Death of the Outsider, Evil Within, Evil Within 2. All of them fantastic games, but uh, they didn't get the critical, they didn't get the commercial reception Bethesda thought they could get. Even Doom, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, they did middling at best. So if you think about it, right, you're in a situation where uh, you can still be okay because you still have that Skyrim and Fallout 4 money. But here's the thing, when your next game is Fallout 76, which pretty much got panned by everyone, everywhere, uh, means what? You're pretty much in a very, very bad place. And uh, I feel for them, this is great because it enables their other studios like Arcane, like Tango Gameworks. Arcane makes uh, Prey, Arcane makes Dishonored, uh, and Tango Gameworks, which makes Evil Within. 
right? For me, it's great because they can continue to do what they're doing. <coughs> so, in the immediate term, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and uh, Deathloop, which are two games from Bethesda's uh, studios, uh, which is Tango and Arcane, they're going to be they're going to honor the Sony deal they have of being timed exclusives. That's going to happen to start with. Phil Spencer has said that's going to happen. After that, it's going to be on a case by case basis, and I think we're going to see this generation of Microsoft actually tightening the screws. I mean, I don't know if you guys recall, before the Pixel was announced, Sundar Pichai said some really interesting stuff like the Pixel would be Google's take on Android and how they, you know, hold features back and, you know, arrange for some form of exclusivity. I feel we're going to see something similar here with Bethesda, where Bethesda's output after those two games are going to be uh, more restricted to Microsoft's platforms because at the end of the day, it's a new generation. They don't have to play by the, you know, hey dudes, let's all do crossplay, let's all play together. Platforms don't matter. Yeah, that that's that was great last generation when you're losing, but this generation when the numbers are reset, the sales volumes are reset, you can afford you can afford to play by your own rules. And I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to use Bethesda to drive home the fact that you either need X, uh, that you either need a Game Pass or you need Xbox One. Sorry, or Xbox, sorry, Xbox Series X. We'll get into all that nonsense later. But yeah, point is they're going to use it to uh, drive home the fact that, uh, you know, you need to buy a Series X, Series S, or at the very least get Game Pass. And what does that mean for gamers? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't think uh, the consumers are going to come out at the, at the end of this uh, smelling like roses for one simple reason is uh, if you look at how Microsoft has positioned itself prior to this, it was all about, you know, play together, cross-play, generations don't matter, none of this matters, uh, play on whatever device you have, accessibility. That's been their approach and that's been their talking points. I think we're going to see them using Bethesda to drive home exclusivity in some degree and fashion down the line. How that kind of messaging takes place is yet to be seen, but I'm expecting that to happen to some way. Uh, that being said, I think we'll still. I don't think Bethesda games are going to be uh, is going to be removed from Steam. Steam is still going to be where they are. So if you're not exactly on board with how Microsoft does things on Series X, Series S, or how their PC client is, which is pretty much a dumpster fire even right now, you'll still be okay. Games yeah. will still release on Steam. So. I still think we'll be fine, but it's not going to be the greatest outcome, in my opinion. Hmm. So basically, Arish, what, you what do you think? That, you know, uh, sorry, I'm just cutting you off, but like in short, like would you say that Sony gamers are fucked? No, I don't think Sony gamers are fucked. Uh, simply because at the end of the day, it's not like uh, there are no other games to play, right? Uh, fact of the matter is, yes. If yeah. this was like five years ago, where where the last game that came out was Fallout Four, I'd say yeah, it would be really unfair. But then when everything after that didn't exactly strike a chord commercially or critic or and I mean only did well with critics like, like critics and people like me man I mean Prey is like one of my favorite games this generation but at the end of it it's it's not like it sold well enough for them to even consider making a sequel I mean that to me it's like Half-Life 2 level good so I think that it's uh, I don't think Sony gamers are pretty much screwed what's more probably going to happen is that they'll probably have to look at other options and it's not a bad thing because Bethesda traditionally has been really, really, really bad with, with Sony platforms. Skyrim was a joke. When Skyrim originally launched on PS3, it was a joke. There were game-breaking bugs that never got fixed. Uh, it's still a joke. Uh, it's it's the PC models that fix the game. Same with Fallout 4. Uh, if you play it on console, you will come across game-breaking bugs that will uh, hamper your progress or, it will, or your save file gets screwed up. It, it, that's uh, I'm going to talk about that in a bit uh, after Harish gets his uh, opinion in because as I said I was on the fence about this there are some things that I want to discuss um, and one of them being the reputation of both Bethesda and Microsoft from last gen uh, 
uh, for ge- for their games, not anything else and other stuff. But yeah, it's 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 just a a worrying um, concern that I have for uh, this acquisition for both parties involved. To be honest, but Harish, what do you think? Yeah, I think well, I think this is a very smart play because Microsoft is following a similar playbook that it did five years ago with its apps and services where once the Lumia thing faded away, it decided to just switch to its services and then got Office on all of the other platforms. Office on iOS in 2016 was fantastic. So it overhauled that service uh, lineup to make sure that its products were available regardless of what platform you're using. And we're seeing a similar thing with games and Game Pass. Now with Game Pass available on Android and you can play on whatever Android phone you have, and then the library growing on PC, even though the client itself is shit. Um, yeah, they're basically making sure that you can play from their catalog regardless of whatever device you have. And that's a really smart move from them because they're uniquely positioned to deliver that, right? They have huge data centers all over the world. So bandwidth is not going to be an issue for them. They're going to be able to sort out the latency and Xbox Game Pass works really well on Android from the little we've seen so far. So um, yeah, I think just getting those titles, those franchises into the Xbox fold gives them a boost. And the other point is uh, we've seen that ZeniMax was working on this Orion streaming tech and that integrates well into Microsoft, what Microsoft is doing with Xbox Game Pass too, because that'll give it that better fidelity and get it, allow it to uh, challenge Stadia in terms of streaming fidelity, because obviously it has a better game library than Stadia at this point. So yeah, overall, pretty excited to see where it goes. I mean, $7 billion seems like a lot of money, but again, you have to understand that that is not a huge figure for Microsoft. It's literally like the third largest organization in the world in terms of market value. So even if it fizzles out, it's not a big deal for them. So at the end of the day, they're going to be able to make Game Pass their next big thing. Hmm. I mean, personally, I'm just like concerned about the next Doom and Wolf. Uh, I mean, I didn't play Doom Eternal because, well, I mean, I never got around to finishing the first one as well. Uh, it's not really my kind of a game, it turns out. I mean, I've enjoyed the earlier Dooms, but not this one so much. Uh, and especially on console. But I do enjoy the Wolf franchise. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about what happens to that in the future. Uh, since I know that I'm going to be sticking to, to the PlayStation 5. Because I like the exclusives, nothing against the Xbox. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... It's it's the possibility that you know a lot of these. Uh, I mean, in some ways, iconic Doom is iconic, and uh, Skyrim might have been shit, but people are excited for the next Elder Scrolls games. So, I mean, if those get locked out of uh, the PlayStation, no matter how bad they were optimized, that is definitely a a win for Microsoft on the business side of things, but. Generally, I mean, again, like we've discussed this in the past as well, in the past as well, that, you know, Microsoft is heading more towards a Netflix-style model. And I, I don't think I'm entirely in favor of that. Um, I get exclusives. Halo as an exclusive, yeah, that's fantastic. But taking existing IPs, IPs which have been multi-platform for generations now, and, you know, just locking them behind a console, I'm not sure 
like behind a certain platform i'm not sure that's like the most consumer friendly move other than you know, of course it makes business sense but yeah that's that's where i am at so when i said i was at the fence uh, <clears throat> i have to direct back to when uh, the announcement was made because harish and i were in sort of a heated argument about what this deal means and you know i was it was a very short sighted opinion that i gave at that time was that oh you know microsoft won't be able to make that money back and unless they're on every platform but then i got to thinking about it this week um, you know like uh, and uh, and assassin's creed valhalla uh, gave me this uh, this uh, this point of view um, you know you wouldn't really pay 7.5 billion dollars for franchises if you just wanted to come to game pass because it would have been cheaper for microsoft to just bring those games to game pass like they did with uh, valhalla at launch right you wouldn't buy so many properties if you don't intend to keep it exclusive and that's where i agree with rishi that exclusive exclusivity factor will be there because sony has been incredible with their first party titles and jrpgs and in order to counter that microsoft was like okay we can't get japanese studios in our favor we don't have first start party franchises like sony does so what can we do and I, and they went for the western rpgs uh, single player experiences and and have them you know have have them on board as an as an exclusive title so i, I mean um uh, i think it's great business maybe they overpaid a little bit because of what recently bethesda and their franchises have been uh, and this is where i i come on the fence is that the reputation of both bethesda and microsoft at least not reputation but their track record was not great this past generation with microsoft we saw crackdown we saw scalebound getting cancelled we saw that they really didn't deliver towards the end of the generation and same is the case with bethesda they didn't deliver towards the end towards the end of the generation with fallout 76 and what a buggy piece of shit that was and the fact that todd howard was you know he was quite arrogant this generation to be honest he didn't really accept the fact that they have goofed up a lot with their games and they don't in, they they just brush it off as if you know it's not something of concern so you know in, in my opinion if microsoft has taken them on board as an exclusive studio for them they can't really afford these kind of buggy games anymore uh because literally you're offering them as as an exclusive to your player base and if that's buggy as hell uh then this acquisition means nothing to be honest if the games don't work uh as rishi mentioned skyrim fallout 4 are still buggy today i was playing Sky, um fallout 4 in november and it was still buggy with the fact that i had the mods uh, support from uh, you know the big fi- bug fixes that people the community has done um but it was still buggy as i still not 100% and if their games are still going to be buggy on the plat- on an exclusive platform then it just makes their case uh, even worse uh it won't be exclusive from the get go but you but the bigger titles like elder scrolls 6 fallout 5 if they, if it ever comes out or new vegas 2 or whatever the hell they plan to make afterwards it will be exclusive to xbox because in in my right mind i would not pay 7.5 billion dollars if i just wanted to come to game pass because they can easily get it for cheaper like they did with valhalla and just get it first day on game uh, pass right? actually, so uh, yeah. there is definitely not a game pass exclusive it's not on game pass day one that's been confirmed that was confirmed as an error so that's not the case yeah oh, okay well e- e- even then you can still use the same strategy that you can get games on the game pass without actually buying the studio right 
so you wouldn't pay that much money unless you want to play that exclusivity factor in my opinion yeah pretty much yeah good point yeah. so yeah that's what that was that's what was confusing to me and yes it sucks that playstation players won't may not be able to experience these games but i but another thing that i want to talk about bethesda likes to be on every platform so if uh, you can either play it on xcloud or you can play it on switch uh, or maybe on pc but that doesn't mean that you're losing out on uh, on these games there are ways to do it to play, to play this game yeah i think that's how it's going to be this gen imagine a situation where xbox game <coughs> pass shows up on the playstation 5 Uh, if that happens, I will be the happiest person on this on the planet because it just means uh, that more games are available for people to play for cheaper. I mean, it's I mean this is the best time to be a gamer right now. You know, it, yeah. your expenditure has been cut down a lot thanks to uh, what Microsoft is doing with their Game Pass and their and the fact that it's available on both PC and their consoles. It, they're giving you the freedom to play how you want, where you want, with uh, XCloud and whatnot. even if it doesn't work properly it's still a great option to have no but here's the thing uh, i mean you touch upon a good point harish um, i think we had this chat like in our group earlier on as well that if game pass does show up on sony that's just a solidification of you know the strategy that microsoft doesn't really give a shit about the hardware it's all about game pass and being the netflix of games uh, yeah. where does that leave sony going into the gen after this uh it basically essentially becomes a two horse race uh nintendo's going to do nintendo and sony essentially remains as the as the only as the single console player at all like in, in all like microsoft clearly i mean for them it's just a means to get people on the game pass the xbox uh clearly they're diving deep on that wish do you have some insights on that i mean i look at it this way uh i don't know if you guys recall back when the xbox one was being announced uh there was a roadmap from microsoft that got leaked called project fortaleza which basically uh portended to the fact that we would be that they would be looking beyond consoles that they would be looking at cloud that they would be looking at games running on every device a sort of singularity kind of situation that work that's kind of playing out right now so I do I don't see a situation where the box completely goes away uh, at least in the immediate term in the in the next 5 to 10 years I don't see that and there are a lot of reasons for it right while there's hype around the cloud while there's hype around subscriptions fact the matter is we're in a stage right now where a single game which has good free to play mechanics makes more money than game pass I'm, I mean I'm talking Fortnite I'm talking Destiny 2 I'm talking Warframe they're obviously they either they're making profits or they're closer to making profit than than game passes at this point in time so the unit economics isn't there yet frankly speaking but uh i mean with them as as harish rightly pointed out early on right like for them it's always been scale it's always been volume and, and over a period of time you know uh take whatever they've acquired and jam it into something that's usable that's user friendly and that'll work So I think what's going to go down down the line is uh it's going to be I mean yeah in the in the in the hazy future yeah there's not going to be any consoles you can play on every device cool story bro but until you know internet internet isn't sorted until you know 5G isn't where it should be I don't see that happening and more importantly let's be honest here uh look at why look at the issues Apple Arcade has had Apple Arcade uh while it while it's got you know some really cool games they're not exactly games you'd subscribe to the service for or continue subscribing to the service for they're great but they're not exactly the reason you keep coming back so and the reason why is uh Apple now has realized that is because they need games that have strong free to play loop 
free to play gameplay mechanics and that's what keeps people coming back that's why i think one of the games from capybara i think grindstone i could be wrong with the name is one of their best games on apple arcade because it has those mechanics that keep people coming back and that that's the and the audience for subscriptions tends to be a little different from your from your you know premium crowd so i and if you ask me that's why i think destiny 2 coming to X, uh, xbox game pass is going to be a huge deal because uh, one it's it's got those loops it's got those design elements that actually help people keep coming back and spending and secondly uh, you know it it gives it gives more value for 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 those users at the end of the day because uh, i feel that a lot of it's going to be content driven i don't think microsoft's going to completely bow bow out of the hardware race from sony's part, point of view I mean, this is why I kind of like Jim Ryan because he pretty much said straight up uh, during the last PS5 showcase that the reason why we don't have a uh, PS5 uh, equivalent of Game Pass is because, uh, you know, games are expensive to make and he's not wrong. I mean, game costs have only been going up. At the end of the day, people are uh, people are pissed off with a $70 price point, which usually translates to $4599 or $4799 uh, from some publishers and other publishers like Activision with uh, Blobs Cold War that's coming to like $5299, $5399 in that range. So when you look at all of that and you think about it, yeah, games are expensive to make. You're, you're not going to see every game come to a subscription service. It's going to be a good way for people to enter the gaming ecosystem and, you know, play games. But is it going to be the standard? Uh, until the math works out, it's going to be a problem. And it's something that even uh, AAA game devs have uh, have been telling me about. Like I, I, I spoke to one who, who you know didn't want to be named, and his logic for his studio is basically that uh, while these subscription services are great, they see the greater opportunity of accessibility, making sure people play across multiple platforms, and you know take things forward in that fashion. So. I don't see a situation where uh, Microsoft entirely gives uh, uh, gets out of the hardware space in the immediate and uh, medium term. Maybe in the long term, yeah. Because uh, Sony, Sony sure as hell is not going to agree to a service to come on their platform that could uh, that could essentially that has the possibility to cannibalize on something like a Horizon Forbidden West or a Spider-Man Miles Morales. They rather do it themselves, and they rather do it themselves down the line when the game's already made money. Because think about it, right? When you spent maybe 300, 400 million to make a game, all right? Uh, this is just I'm just throwing numbers here. Uh, you know, you you rather make money on that game as much as possible, which is sell it at seventy dollars, sixty dollars, whatever. Sell the DLC, whatever. Make your money back, and then you know let that run for two to three years, and then after that, whatever residual profits you think you can make, you either bring it to PC like they did with Horizon Zero Dawn, or you put it on your uh, own subscription service like what they did with PS Plus. Like PS Plus has a bunch of first-party games now, uh, which which when you go to PS Five, you'll yeah. be able to play them. So, I think the approach is obviously make money from Sony more than you know. Uh, I make it accessible or anything else because they're looking at it from a pure business standpoint, and you, you can't blame them from from that way because their approach has always been trying to be profitable. Yeah, like, a, like, like I saw before, like I've said before, right? Sony can't afford to make bad games, first of all, and they can't afford a subscription model like Microsoft can. And uh, that's been the driving factor for Sony. Uh, Microsoft has been very comfortable because of the money backing they have. And I've said, when you're on the top, uh, you know, there's only one way to go, which is down. And when you are on the back seat, like in Sony's case, when they don't have it, a big enough pool like Microsoft, they really can't afford to make bad games, they can't afford to make mistakes and they're more vigilant about what they release and the steps they take because it, if they, if it backfires for them, they'll lose a lot of money that they already don't have. Uh, if something backfires for Microsoft, as Harish pointed out, you know, they can survive it. Sony, on the other hand, cannot. 
So, you know, that plays a huge role as well, which is why we saw PS4, this generation, and their first-party games were so good because of the fact that they couldn't afford to make bad games. So, actually, Rishi, both of you touch upon some really good points. And let's talk a little bit more about the economics of Game Pass. Because, I mean, earlier on, there was a leak that Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla might be coming to Game Pass day one. It might happen, it might not happen. But then, uh, another service... Okay, sure. Yeah, so they well, confirmed it I mean, as not happening. They said that was an error. Okay, sweet. Uh, but regardless of that, well, say, you know, Luna, the service that we're going to talk about in a bit, that's getting Ubisoft games day one. Uh, but then also, like, on Game Pass, now that they've spent $7.5 billion acquiring these studios, I'm assuming all of those games are going to be day one on Game Pass. All Microsoft games, first-party games are already day one on Game Pass. And then they've got, like, 100-odd games uh, that are also on Game Pass. That's a whole lot of money that's being spent on, you know, bringing these games to the service. It's, what, $15 a month. Uh, obviously, Microsoft wants to grow scale, but do you think that this might result in more games resorting to microtransactions or, you know, uh, other means of revenues than just pure flat-out uh, shipment volumes? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I personally agree that uh, one of the outcomes of Game Pass, and this is a purely pessimistic view on my side, is we're going to see a lot of more nickel and diming from publishers. And I mean, we've already seen it reach some egregious levels this generation because you could pay uh, Activision to change the color of your crosshair in Call of Duty. I think they did that in Blobs 4. And I think they, they did that even with uh, Modern Warfare where, you know, you could actually pay for that. And this is a game that's full price, right? You're paying $60. You were paying $60. And now I think, what, five grand plus for, for such titles. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that coming in. I mean, uh, we even saw a situation where Konami ch charged you for an extra save slot in Metal Gear Survive. I think we're going to see a lot more nickel and diming on that on that aspect because the unit economics isn't there. I mean, uh, to be honest, if you look at it, games that usually go on Game Pass, they're either money-hatted from day one because they're a small indie studio or they're a mid-cost or they're a mid-sized studio that uh, you know doesn't have the funds to get things going, and for them it's about making money. So okay, upfront money from Microsoft, great. But then if you look at it from the big AAA guys, right, like. Something like, uh, like, let's say, you know, a uh, Ubisoft or something even from, uh, and Ubisoft microtransactions are already egregious to begin with. Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, no matter how good that game is, you still have booster packs in it because the way the game is designed from a leveling standpoint is that it'll cap your leveling after a point, meaning it'll be really tough to progress through the main campaign unless you spend. So I won't be surprised if stuff like that gets more uh, more uh, crazy over, over, over next generation. I do agree with you that... Uh, the focus is going to shift more from you know unit sales per unit sales over to value per user because at the end of the day if everyone's going to if every if the baseline is $60 or $70 it makes more sense to upgrade who you can from that $70 to $120 or $100 and i think that's what's going to be more likely down the road and if game pass helps them do that or helps them get their money back in some way down the line i see that being a possibility and from a pure business point standpoint that makes a lot of sense as well. It's almost like bringing the mobile gaming model to to PCs and consoles. Pretty much. Yeah. Although I want Stardew Valley to show up on Game Pass. I think when Rishi mentioned they need games that keeps people coming back. I think uh, Minecraft is available on on consoles, but not on PC. Uh, no, Minecraft's on why. PC. Minecraft's on PC as well. Uh, 
In fact, I, I got multiple. I, I just. Yeah, I just checked on uh, the app right now. It's not. No, wait. You talk about Minecraft uh, dungeons or Minecraft regular? Minecraft. No, it's regular. there. It's there. They have like uh, they they have the Java client and they have uh, they have the regular Minecraft. Both are there. So I just searched it on the Xbox app. It says plays on console and uh, no, it's it. and then Minecraft dungeons. No, it's the app being the app. Uh, it's it's actually it's there. It's there. Oh, so yeah, so I mean, they need games like that. Uh, so that's which is why I feel Stardew Valley and Destiny is a great example. Maybe even get Warframe. These live service games that actually work, not not uh, live service games like Fallout seventy six, uh, which I do feel is going to be one later on because Bethesda tried it, and I think Microsoft is going to push for that again, but maybe a better game in the future. And yeah, I think uh, it, it may just work out for them. But it is going to take a decade for them to turn a profit. I have a feeling. Maybe. Maybe yeah. Soon. Well, I don't think it'll be a decade. I think it'll be sooner. Um. Yeah, I mean, look at how many Game Pass subscribers are already there. They hit ten million, right? Now it's fifteen. Now it's fifteen. 15. Oh, fifteen, right? So yeah, I mean, most of them started off with those introductory. Uh, deals that they rolled out but even if I mean yeah I don't think it'll take a decade for them to recover their investment I hope I should I surely hope so because it means more money for publishers to be honest yeah, yeah I mean my concerns are again you know like stuff like say, they had Red Dead Redemption 2 on Game Pass but now that's gone and it's the ephemeral state of games uh, you know it's not as if you get access to the membership subscription and then you have like everything on there forever. You could be in the middle of a game and it goes off. Then what? I just... So then they, they give a discounted price to buy for the full game. Let's say you're playing RDR2, right? Yeah. Um, if it costs 3,000 bucks, they'll give it to you for like 1,200, bucks to continue playing. Uh, I mean... So there is some added benefit. But you've already paid like for it. the game, to be honest. I don't like it. So, yeah. Drew, I think, yeah. I think uh, the best way to look at it isn't from a point of view of this replacing uh, how you already buy games. I just look at Game Pass from a personal consumption standpoint. I just look at Game Pass as uh, uh, basically a paid demo system. You know, so I check out the game on Game Pass. If it's great, okay, fine, I may buy it. If And, I, and if I end up buying it, I'll usually buy it on Steam or I'll buy it on Switch or I'll buy it anywhere else. Or uh, if it's really, or if it's not that great, uh, then I just move on to the next game. I just look at it to help me solve discoverability because what really cheeses me with this generation of gaming is uh, we don't have the B tier uh, developers where you could find, you know, the, the those diamonds in the rough, those imperfect, those imperfect games that are still perfect in some shape and form, right? Like during the PS2 and GameCube era, you had Killer Seven, you had uh, you you had titles like. You know, yeah, really goofy stuff like Shadow Hearts, and that's not that kind of went away with the PS3 onwards. You know, fine, you had one or two, ex- one or two diamonds in the rough like El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, but they weren't exactly in the forefront. It was tough to find the the obscure B tier, mid level, not so so good, it's bad, or so bad, it's good style titles. I mean, Fifty Cent Blood on the Sand is one of them in my opinion, but you don't have any of that. Oh, I I I remember, I remember that game. That was I had fun. So that's the thing. You don't have any of that right now. And to me, uh, that's where the value of Game Pass is to find the next so good it's bad game that you should be playing more than anything else. I don't look at it from. I, I don't look at it as uh, replacing how I buy games. I look at it as a way to try games before I decide to buy them. Basically, paid demos. That's how that's how I tried uh, Streets of Rage two. Ah, nice. I I was like, eh, maybe I won't like it. 
but I downloaded it and I played it for a bit. I was like, fuck, this is fun. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the game. Uh, yeah, no, okay, so, so that's a good 4. one. That was good. Yeah, Streets of Rage 4 is really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 4. Yeah, sorry, 4. But, okay. So, again, for the two of you who actually practice industry a lot, uh, are there any stats on how many of these smaller games are actually getting discovered or people are just, like, sticking to the to the big-name titles? I mean, that's clearly what they're coming for, but is, uh, is anybody really making money uh, and... How many of these games are actually getting discovered oh, out of man. those hundred odd titles? That's a that's a good question. And so this is what we know so far, right? Um, so there's there are a couple of indie studios that have been very open on the fact that they've made money upfront. So I think No More Robots. Uh, in fact, they 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 tweeted it. They had a whole tweet thread yesterday talking about uh, uh, the guy who runs it. Is his handle is Rave of Ravendale, and yesterday he tweeted out a whole thread about how may, putting his game on Game Pass. Uh, allowed them to cover their porting costs for their games that were coming to Switch and other platforms. So for him, that's where it worked out. I think he had a game, he had a card game called No More Profit or one of his many in indie games. So for him, that worked out. Then we had the guys who made After Party and uh, Oxen Free, uh, Night School Studios. They had said during an IGN podcast uh, around the time After Party launched, I think a year ago, where they basically said that, yes, uh, if we didn't take the money from Game Pass, it would have it been a little tough. So essentially... The smaller studios, yes, it's because the upfront payment, the minimum guarantee that Microsoft gives them, it uh, it allows, it gives them some form of security. We've seen that from the indies. With the bigger guys, I've been hearing all sorts of rumors. So apparently, the rumor is uh, that uh, GTA Five and Red Dead Two, Red Dead Redemption Two, Microsoft paid upwards of forty million for that period of exclusivity. Uh, I mean, say not period of exclusivity. I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, paid upwards of forty million to be on Game Pass. Now, I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've heard. So, for the bigger guys, yeah, I mean, if you're putting money on the table, great. So, that's what where it seems to be. I don't know anyone who's... I haven't heard or no one's been talking about uh, the them making money or turning profit on Game Pass based on the residuals or the royalties they get after being on Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Everyone's been talking about the major amounts they've been getting because they put on Game Pass on the platform. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like right now, Microsoft is in user acquisition mode. So sure, they're more than willing to just put whatever, I mean, or at least a big amount of money on the table. What happens a couple of years down the line? And that's, you know, that the long-term sustainability of this and the long-term revenue generation, both for Microsoft and for the publishers uh, and studios, uh, that is something that concerns me as well. I mean, we already have precedent for that. It's called the Windows Phone Store. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yes. I think Microsoft has bet a bit too much on Game Pass. I don't think they can afford to go down the Windows Phone Store route. But yeah, I guess we'll see. I just don't want them to, uh, you know, founder. Because if they do that, then there's... Uh, I like competition in gaming. And, uh, and it just means better games for everyone or at least more games for everyone and maybe more affordability as well i just don't want them to lose anything because of game pass because of their bet on uh, game pass um because then it'll just leave sony and nintendo um uh, and uh, i don't want to be in a world where there's not a third player in the gaming sector to be honest that's what i feel yeah fair enough all right so we're 45 minutes in already and oh, we uh, let's get a quick update on the Indian Xbox Series X scene though because it went on pre-order yeah. and it sold out yeah absolutely 
so Rishi, since you actually did manage to get hold of the Xbox, why don't you just talk us through the shit show, or if there was no shit show, uh, that was the Xbox series that launched, because PlayStation India is still silent. We have no idea when the PlayStation is coming in. So, what, so before I get to the Series X stuff, uh, where the PS5 is concerned, what we do know is that Sony ha- itself has a date and a price. They just don't want to go, they're not confident on putting that out yet until they're sure uh, that they can hit that date because they finally realize that all their past mistakes of delays has caught up on them, at least on the game side. Now, uh, that's what we know on Sony right now. So who, who knows, maybe we'll get something in a couple of weeks. But where Microsoft's concerned with the Series X and Series S, uh, so pre-orders went live at 9 a.m. or actually 9.05 on Amazon and uh, Flipkart followed an hour later. Reliance Digital had it from 9 also. Uh, everything on Series X sold out. Um, Series S is still available. Uh, I had asked Microsoft for comment as to when we can see the X up again and the response I got was nothing is confirmed yet, literally. That is literally what they said on email. So... I think we're in a situation where X may be just restocked at launch. We'll have to see. But what is interesting is uh, I did hear uh, what the allocations were. And the allocations uh, seem to be in a, in a ratio if, of uh, 5 is to 1 or four is, or 6 is to 1. And uh, that means 5 Series S for every X, which basically means um, Microsoft and Reddington, who's a distribution partner for India, uh, have gone with the bet that uh, people would buy the S over the X because of that 15k price difference. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, in fact, there are a lot more people pissed off that they couldn't buy an X. And I know of a couple of stores that uh, were selling, that were taking pre-orders for the X. And all they got, I know, was one unit of allocation versus, you know, four or five or six uh, numbers of S. How many ever S you want type situation with them. But X is uh, where the... Where the where, where the demand is and it's not seems it doesn't seem to be there. I think they may have miscalculated demand, but let's see how it goes. Uh, it's still early. I mean, I won't be surprised if another set of pre-orders happen down the line. Um, because see, you also have to keep in mind the, the other aspect of it, right? Like if you look at it from a manufacturing pipeline situation, uh, if AMD is the only one with access to TSM 7 nanometer and whatever has access to the foundries and has it has to make sure that they take care of Microsoft, Sony, Lenovo, and whoever else their OEMs are, it's going to obviously create a problem. So I won't be surprised if uh, we see, you know, a smaller number of Series X S on the shelves. We'll have to see where it goes. But uh, right now, yeah, it seems pretty interesting that it's sold out. Um, and yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens next. It's still developing. Yeah, well, on that note, like since last week you mentioned that um, you know, partnering with Reddington, who has a lot of experience uh, with, the, with the iPhones as well, do you think it could be a matter of you know them not gauging the market right, going with the cost aspect of it versus what the gamers actually want. Man, Reddington not getting things right has been a story since since I since even before I started working, and that was when the X360 first launched here. Uh, the bet at that time was, oh, India, big big country, 1 billion people, let's put $90 million into marketing for the first three months for Xbox 360. And that's why you saw Yuvraj Singh, that's why you saw Akshay Kumar, uh, you know, doing stuff. That's why you saw all that, all of that. And uh, I think it's nothing new. And to be honest, I, in a way, you, you got to feel sorry for them and you got to feel sorry for Microsoft because they never had the sustained leadership in India to turn the boat around in, in any way that could actually be seen as meaningful. I mean, outside of the Xbox 360, the Xbox One has pretty much been a dumpster fire. So, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, from a sales standpoint, it's pretty been pretty bad. So, 
the way i see it uh, this is a chance for them to hopefully make amends and even though they got the quantities wrong uh what's really important and what could work for their favor is if you look at it for most retailers for most stores and for india we're still pretty much physical right now and even not just physical even online stores right sony is what 70 80% of revenue because of between the hardware and the games your sony 70 80% of the business and if i'm if i'm at retail and if i and if i'm st- selling boxes and you know obviously i'm going to look at other ways to future proof myself but in the immediate term i'd want microsoft in my in my store to simply send a message to sony saying you know you, you can't dictate terms this entire generation so i think uh, that's something they'll have to lean on heavily and i don't know if they have the bandwidth manpower or the know how to do it so we'll have to see it just could be more of the same sweet so i think we've talked a lot about uh, the gaming side of things everything yeah Har- everything. harish why don't you talk us through the the amazon stuff cool um so Amazon didn't release as many products as it did last year thankfully but we still got updates to all of its key product lines in the Echo series and Ring and Eero so um Ring and Eero devices won't be coming to India but I'll give you a quick rundown anyway so we got the fourth generation Echo and Echo Dots and they also have the Echo Dots kids edition and the main difference this time around is this new spherical design it basically looks like a large nexus cube for those old enough to remember the nexus nexus cube mm-hmm. and i like that form factor uh, it looks goofy uh, i miss the fact that they're not doing the cylinder anymore but this feels like something that will mesh better with your decor and it also has that light ring uh, but it's now at the bottom of the unit uh they are touting a lot of gains in terms of how fast alexa is on it because of this new az1 neural edge processor that they rolled out in collaboration with mediatek so what this basically is doing is boosting the amount of on device memory so that for common queries that you ask alexa say for turning down the lights or whatever it doesn't need to send that to the cloud and then get the information back it will just be able to do it on device so you'll see common tasks like that being done faster now so that's a big win for them and i think this will pave the way for them to do more custom silicon down the line with more of their alexa products um alexa dot well the echo dots is ba- the echo dot is basically the same with the same similar design with the spherical thing and all but in a smaller size um and then we also got the echo show 10 and this one looks particularly interesting because it has a swivel motor that follows you around the room it has a camera at the front uh so think of it as like a next nest hub max but it has this unique motorized design that will track your movement so i yeah i think i this should be like an interesting product for the kitchen and we also got a weird ring drone thingy that flies inside your home to measure the dimensions of your home yeah you should no one should actually buy this i mean it's not going to go beyond sale in india but in the us nobody should be buying it because ring partners with local law enforcement and they give out a lot of information to the cops so this is a bad product and uh, well i think they'll sell millions of units of this anyway anyway the yeah, last step is cool. the i think the ring, cool, i think though. the ring drone is pretty cool because it's essentially a weaponized cat troll it is so that's like the best <laughs> thing about it man i mean like if your cats being an asshole and cats tend to be assholes yeah why not but otherwise yeah i don't want my cat to go to jail so no Yeah. yeah it's 
well you're basically giving amazon more data on your house so yeah not and a good then look. luna uh no wait we have more things uh there are updates like to the fire tvs there's now a fire tv oh, yeah. light and then there's a new addition of the fire tv 4k both cost the same as the last gen but come with improvements to hardware that sort of thing and then finally there's eero 6 the amazon is finally rolling out wifi 6 routers um these actually mm. come with pretty decent upgrades over the wifi 5 models but again limited to the us although i would like to see them roll it roll these out in india because each node has dual gigabit ports and that's something we haven't seen in a lot of mesh systems here so i'm particularly interested in these coming that's, to india at some point that's just the pro though is it not the regular model no the regular one has it too oh okay that's cool so what are the differences and the best part about the, it between the regular and the oh, just the coverage so they are touting 2000 square feet for the pro and uh, uh 1500 for the regular and the pro has a tri band solution so i'm guessing one of these will be like a wireless dedicated backhaul like most mm. uh, high well, uh, so then systems. the pro is the only one to get then yeah uh wait we have more things They're doing some more environment. Envir- Wait, I mean, what? Did, did they just launch everything. They do the. This is their hard, big hardware event, right? They just roll out everything in one go. Uh, what else? They also have a Guard Plus thing, but that's only for the US. And other than this, I think yeah, Luna. So let's talk about that. So yeah, Luna is essentially uh, Amazon's uh, attempt. Stadia. Yeah, you know, uh, do their version of Stadia and XCloud. The controller looks like the. I mean, it looks to me, it looks like a lot like the Switch Pro controller, uh, and it looks a lot like the Xbox One controller. And now every controller looks the same. So yeah, whatever. But what's fascinating to me isn't the business model or anything of that sort. Is that it's going to be available on iOS on day one, because they're using something called a. Pr- a pwa or a progressive web app which basically means it'll play yeah. on your on safari browser and what's interesting is that's a pretty low tech way of getting things running but uh, it's fascinating that stadia and xcloud hadn't thought of such a solution to begin with and i mean it's also perhaps speaks to the fact that you know amazon and apple have been pretty cozy amazon doesn't give 30% to, to apple for for prime video so i'm sure they must have you know arrange some sort of a deal and this is the manifestation of this that you know apple will look the other way for pwa apps even though apple could clamp down if it wants to so it's pretty interesting from that point of view the the thought that came across my mind when they announced luna was like i was uh, i thought that this could be better than port stadia and uh, uh, xcloud because uh, you know everyone know, i don't know if everyone knows this but amazon's main business is aws uh they have data centers all over the world including in bombay and i think harish uh told me they're building some in hyderabad as well and uh they just have a more presence in when it comes to cloud computing uh all over the world they're number one for a reason and i feel that they have a better chance at uh, game streaming than at least stadia uh xcloud is a different thing it's a diff- it's, it's a more like a uh ad- additional benefit to having a pc or a console so i think luna has a better chance i feel i'm not I, i don't know how it will run i haven't seen it running or we will see when it comes out in the us and i think this has a higher potential luna has a higher potential to come into other territories like india 
uh, and i really wanted to come here so that it, uh, because since we are smartphone first market people will get to experience triple a games even if they're old it doesn't matter to me uh, i just want more games to be exposed to more people uh, uh, it's just better for the industry and yeah i think uh, you never know they may just be able to pull it off simply because they're number one in cloud computing right now yeah so you're right there in terms of the scale akshay because i think of all the game streaming services this is the one that actually has some potential of launching in india because amazon can pull it off um aws powers like a whole Everything. world of services like spotify netflix most websites these days are on aws so yeah they have the scale and it is interesting the model they're going for here because the they're following the same thing as prime video channels where you get to choose what games you subscribe to uh, the base luna for the trial is $5 or something in the us but then you also have like a nobisoft package that gives you access to their games and you pay something over and beyond that so i think that whole channel sort of thing where you pick and choose what you want uh, what you want to subscribe to is actually a very smart move because you can tailor what sort of games you actually want to play based on your interests i mean it seems interesting to me and i do agree with the both of you that they have the infrastructure to pull this off but what worries me here is uh, if you look at amazon's gaming efforts in india right uh, right now they don't have twitch we still don't have twitch properly in any state it should be and uh, you know the the thought process for people in india still streaming on twitch is oh uh, when amazon decides to flip the switch on twitch we'll make money on twitch prime but it doesn't seem like that's that's been on their agenda despite them having someone who looks at india they haven't launched here per se and the second thing that bothers me here is uh, i mean if you look outside of twitch or the lack of uh, you know stuff on twitch is the other thing they've been trying to do is uh, get free to play games like you know world cricket uh, championship and all that stuff on their amazon on their amazon store app store and get people to get free entitlements there if you have prime and stuff like that so they've not really been active in that space but i do believe that uh, if they find a way to make the math work to bundle luna with existing prime subscriptions it could possibly unlock uh, some really really cool things to happen here so i mean i'm a little i mean i'm a, i'm a little more optimistic of the possibilities despite amazon's lack of uh, movement in the gaming space here right now yeah i think there's a lot that can happen but let's see uh well since we've already segued into luna well i wanted to talk about the echo dot stuff but there's a little bit on it i'm not entirely sure about the new design that they're going for um yeah like i i okay at least for the studio i can still get the bigger design but the echo dot was functional because you could like literally tuck it away wherever you wanted and now with this huge ominous globe structure like mm-hmm. i can see that amazon wants it to be seen become like you know a, yeah a part of the decor uh, but i mean i've got like echoes everywhere echo dots like i've got one uh, in a in a in a stand socket kind of thing in my washroom as well i mean a globe is not going to work in that kind of a situation So I hope they keep the older models around which they won't but that's like wishful thinking but I think they might have overthought the echo dot at least a little bit because I'm not sure if it's going to work for everyone but then they also have the echo input and stuff 
if you just want something that plugs into an existing speaker no so like i i mean so i've got this ring like uh, mount for it for the echo so i've got one in my kitchen and i got one in my washroom uh it you can basically wrap the power cable behind it and it just plugs in directly into the wall so now you've got like a proper speaker over there uh the echo input mm-hmm. doesn't solve that and the echo flex sounds terrible so you're not going to use that yeah no oh, okay um i guess just buy some more echo dots the current gen before <laughs> they phase it out <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but the design design reminds me of those uh those radar domes from uh, from the cold war era that i don't know if you guys remember though uh that's what it reminds me of um sh- i don't know if it's going to fit in with my uh, aesthetics of my room or in fact the entire house through the scene it uh, it's it's a little bit out of place a little bit awkward uh, for minimalistic uh, home designs yeah um and 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 it, it takes too much space um, not maybe at the base but you know it's like me thin at the bottom <laughs> fat at the middle <laughs> and normal at the top so um i i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know if it's going to fit um uh, anywhere in my room or in my house and if i even dare to place that somewhere anywhere in my house my wife is definitely throwing me out that night for sure yeah but the thing like in fact the new the new nest speaker the one that got leaked um uh, and that's coming up next week that in fact seems like a much more usable design like it's still neat and clean yeah. minimal but they've actually slimmed it down a little bit or at least it looks like it and it they've gone for something that's a little taller but that should you can i mean if you don't care too much about sound quality you can even slide it in uh, on its side something like the IKEA Symphonisk and that's not going to take too much space on a bookshelf um you know it's designed more for fitting into a decor than just becoming a statement piece in itself Yeah but I like it I like the design of the echo um it's quirky and I always like quirky stuff Yeah I mean I I get the echo it's the echo dot that you know it's it's the workhorse or it's the yeah. it's the mass market product for Amazon and they've gone a little too out there with with the design but hey nice improvements all around hopefully it should sound a little better too um and also it's coming to india the echo is now on pre order it's for 10000 the same as the last gen echo and yeah. it's it'll be delivered starting october 26th uh echo dot later in the year but again on pre order for 4499 yeah so good stuff all around from amazon but some interesting stuff anyway and that yep. brings us to the final bit which is the samsung galaxy fan edition now we're running out of time already over time so we should keep this I'll short. do it in 30 seconds hold on uh, fan edition is basically the S20 with a plastic back uh, buy it if you think well there's no reason to buy it instead of the Galaxy S20 because the S20 is on sale anyway so save some money <laughs> or wait for the S21 or the S30 or whatever the fuck it'll be called don't buy the fan edition now so it's That's it. And it's going to be powered by Exynos 990, and you know our frustrations What, with that. What seriously? Even uh, the 5G version chipset, here is going to yes. be yes, Exynos. No, okay. not the 5G. Not the 5G. They're the not bringing the 5G which... to India. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're okay. not bringing it. Yeah, a... there's no reason to buy the Exynos 990 now oh, because the Exynos, well, it won't be the 990. It'll be called the 1000 series next year, and that is going to be much better because they're getting rid of their 
custom mongoose cores and all that so they're just shifting back to in, li- in literally 5 months they're yeah. going to come out with a new nice chipset. so do not buy the fan edition uh, this is just a play for the us market yeah that's it we're done Well, I have a contrarian view. I think it's actually a pretty nice phone, depending on how much of a cost saving you can get over the regular S twenty. Uh, discounts aside, like the S twenty is still seventy thousand something on Samsung dot com, and the Pan Edition should hopefully be sub fifty, um, something like the Note ten Lite, which they did last year. Uh, the Note ten like Lite was light. terrible. Like, I, oh, I like, what I really like the S ten Lite because it had the eight fifty five. Yeah, that's the one I like. But see, yeah. here's the thing: like we've we've discussed this in depth earlier on as well. Like this is not an enthusiast play; it's a mass market play. Um, we can nitpick about performance. We can nitpick about, say, you know, overheating when you're like doing a lot of stuff. But the audience that they're going for, which wants the premium experience at a cut down price, they don't really give a shit uh, about Exynos. It's they're like using social media on their phone, and that's about it. And I think they've made some right compromises with the S twenty fan edition. Uh, I like the pastel shades that they're going for. I like the fact that it has a flat display, still has the one twenty hertz panel. Uh, the camera setup is very similar to the S twenty, larger battery, forty five hundred mAh. I mean, Exynos is fine and wireless charging and IP sixty eight and stereo speakers. Uh, it's actually a really good package, leaving aside Exynos nine ninety, some fifty k. This would I mean, if they had delivered eight sixty five in India, sub fifty k, this would actually be a really good phone. Yeah, if they the delivered the eight sixty five, I would have automatically uh-huh. recommended it. But then they don't. They're not going to bring the eight sixty five model to India because that's just not going to be economically feasible feasible for them. So, what's the point? Here's the here's the problem I have with the nine ninety though. Like. even for like casual users and you know that's what i use the note 24 i'm still using it uh, every day to be honest just to watch youtube stuff because i love that display it still throttles and for something like as rudimentary as watching a video or browsing social media it gets it still gets quite hot after series of updates that's where my problem is i don't give a damn how it performs playing pubg or or what it does for photo editing or, or all of those high um cpu processes it's the simplest stuff that annoys me uh, more than anything else it gets way too hot and if that's going to be and it's, and if it's going to be the same case with the s20 fan edition light whatever the hell they want to call it then it's then i i don't know what they're trying to do because it's neither for the enthusiast and it's and for the casual user user also they're going to have a bad experience because of all the heat dissipation issues yeah and that's, that's the problem. problem i have yeah and that's the issue here through yeah it has a whole lot of other stuff the 120 hertz panel is great cameras will be good a wireless charging ip68 all that good stuff but the crux of the issue is that the thing that's powering it is not is just not good i mean just an hour ago i was browsing ikea on my note 20 ultra and it just froze for a minute like there was nothing yeah. i could do that made it work so it if there are such base issues with the phone and when there are better alternatives available mm-hmm. i don't see it as a feasible option sure there will be a lot of folks that will buy it because it's a brand new samsung phone and it has s20 branding and it'll be available for 50k but that's not the smart move to do Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, good points all around. Uh, I think they're going to sell a boatload of these, especially with their offline push. But and this just and just to share more of marketing that Samsung does. But yeah, you'll yeah. see. 
hopefully we should have the phone soon and we'll have a better picture of how well it performs or it does not uh but i think that pretty much wraps up this week does it not it does sweet so with that any closing words from everyone uh okay. stay tuned for xiaomi to roll out its whole ecosystem portfolio next week so that's going down on the 30th google is also launching the pixel 4a 5g and pixel 5 on the 30th although that won't matter for india because neither of those phones is coming here wait what uh what is wait what yeah. i thought the 4a was supposed to yeah. come here what no the regular 4a is coming at the end of october oh. this is the 4a 5g and the pixel 5 oh okay Yeah, we're also going to get like a boatload of stuff from Realme, but yeah, really, I don't. Really I mean, if Xiaomi is launching something, you know, Realme is launching something. Yeah. yeah. Previously on the OC. Yeah, you basically just take a look at whatever <laughs> Xiaomi is launching. Take a look at whatever Xiaomi is launching. Now think, uh, priced about a thousand rupees lower, and the quality being twenty five percent worse. Uh, not twenty five at all. No, it's far worse. Okay, <laughs> some of that stuff has just not been usable for me. I'm just being generous here, but yeah, think Xiaomi, think cheaper, think worse. That's going to be Realme's portfolio uh, in the coming weeks, and you'll get a bit better idea of that soon enough. And we'll be talking about that, or maybe not. Think <laughs> rushed. That's what I think. Yes. It's all rushed. Absolutely. Cool, Rishi. Ooh, their name board. should be Rashmi. <laughs> That's an Indian girl. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh god! I think you may have just created a meme here, man. Yeah. Yeah. Rishi, anything from you? Uh, yeah. I mean, nothing else. I think everyone just keep your keep eyes out. Uh, see what goes down. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of hype around PS5, but fact of matter is, let's be honest here. no matter how much hype there is the price will determine whether people pick it up or not so i think sony itself will be very cautious on that as well so whoever has been looking forward to it and was expecting a ton of information on today's show i kind of apologize but i mean this is where we are in the in the in the cycle right now i mean it's going to be i mean who knows what will happen next week so stay I mean, tuned either way i mean you should I, i mean you shouldn't be apologizing it's the sony guys who should be apologizing to be honest because they're the ones who are quite yeah i mean it. but you know sony doesn't say anything anyway so we try our best in such situations and this is par for the course because at the end of the day this entire generation they haven't said anything i mean half the info we get out is from their supply chain because sony doesn't like to talk so anyway whatever it is hopefully we get information soon so stay tuned hang on uh and don't be really and 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 i i do expect a round of outrage when a price is announced because that's what's going to happen regardless it could be really cheap it's but india. people are still going to be salty so i expect that to happen yeah. too it's india yeah i find it a little crazy uh, how you know uh worldwide the pre-orders are out uh travis scott got hold of the playstation 5 today and meanwhile let's not talk about that i just told you after this podcast i'm going to build my own rap career just to get that ps5 <laughs> yeah and meanwhile just... in india we're still stuck on rumors and speculation on if and when and how much the damn thing is going to cost so it's it's a bit of a shit show all around uh but yeah for me stay safe keep your mask on as usual it's a bad world out there <laughs> And uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, hey! Before we go, uh, Akshay, you have to announce the winner for the giveaway. Oh yeah, and I have to say my last words as well. Of course, I you do. Said that. 
so so last week if you heard our show we had a little competition for Resident Evil 3 remake uh and this time uh, uh whoever got the answer right would get the game on the platform of their choice uh, the question was fairly simple uh you know who's the main protagonist of the game and who's the main boss and uh, the answer the correct answer is Jill Valentine and Nemesis and we have one entry that came up with the right answer that was uh Davik Davik Santosh J Uh, I think that's short for his last name. So congratulations! You've won yourself a copy of Resident Evil Three Remake. I think you mentioned you won for the PlayStation Four. So we're gonna have that sent across to you. Uh, word of caution: uh, If the code doesn't redeem for you on the PlayStation Store, get back to us and we'll get you a fresh code. Um, but uh, yeah. to speak about I don't think you should have any issues with that and uh, go follow games the shop because they are the ones who are actually giving away this code via our podcast and yeah you're going to get to experience a great game so yeah thank you for taking part in that competition guys and my last words are going to be fairly simple if you are into gaming and a majority of your gaming is from third party publishers do consider getting the series x because it's probably the best form of gaming you will experience this generation you can always get the playstation 5 later on for their exclusives um when there's more stock when the price is more uh, favorable for your budget and yeah and the game pass is incredible even though rishi and i use it to discover games instead of uh, experiencing full games but it's still a great great proposition for you as a gamer to save money so yeah that's those are going to be my last words for this episode Sweet. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.